This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ernition. I am joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the best co-host in the business, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you today, man? What's up, man? Uh, excited today. Uh, finally can, can close the book on 2022. So. Ah, ah, you say that. You say that. So I know we said we were going to have this out on Monday. Or sorry, yeah, we were going to record, um, you know, have, have a Monday podcast. That didn't work out. Devin got busy on Monday. So we're recording this on Tuesday. Draft is in two days. It's Wednesday as you're listening to this. But don't be afraid, guys. You will hear from us one more time before the draft as well. Uh, we are not going to be doing a Friday podcast. We are instead going to be doing a Wednesday afternoon slash Thursday morning, depending on timing predictive mock draft that you will be able to hear. We'll go one through 32 in one go. There will be trades. It will be fun, but we do have to finish off the battle of the big boards for lack of a better term. I'm sorry, uh, uh, TDN. I will send a royalty check your way for using it, but Devin and I are going to go through the defensive side of our big board and positional rankings. Devin, are you excited? Are you nervous? Do you think I have the better big board? We released them on the same day. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. This, this is my first time finally putting together and, and finally. I know. Uh, Look at you. Putting... No more long form articles. You've joined the dark side of mock drafts and big boards. Oh, I don't know about mock drafts yet. I'm still <laughs> still holding out on that one, but uh, but big boards, yeah. You are uh, the was, only. Per- you're gonna end up being like Mike Mayock and Daniel Jeremiah, where you do the one big, the one mock draft at the end, and that's it for you. Mike Mayock had the cushiest job because he just uploaded his top fives every now and then, and then he had the one big board, uh, the one mock draft the night before the draft, and that was it. I, I yeah. see you doing that. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you know, I feel like I talk about these guys enough. You might as well put it put together, you know, a, a big board. Of I mean, you're in year things. three of doing this, so it's about time. Well, I mean, I had an excuse last year. Last year, I got you know undercut, but you got you, know, you got NDA'd. Yeah, so <laughs> non competed. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to to do these rankings. Now uh, I'm I'm very positive that they're going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that for a fact, but I'm ready to hear your questions and go for it. Okay, now I have a question for you. So I always do mine defensive line first, then edge. Do you do it the same way? Because I want to make yep. sure we're going to. This. Okay, so let's go yep. defensive line first. So who's your your D line five? All right, so defensive lineman number five for me. By that, by that I mean a guy that's like a, a like a, a five tech or inside. Right, number five for me is Fedarian Mathis from Alabama. Um, you know, I, I I would just for me, he's been someone that's uh, kind of stood out to me really since 
watching him like early in the process, he was like one of the the first 10 or 15 guys that I actually uh, graded and, and scouted. Uh, and, and that report can be found on blue chip scouting, by the way. But with him, I, I just like his versatility uh, as a one tech, as a three tech. Uh, I think he's going to be better suited uh, playing like an odd front. But but uh, I, I, I like what, what he can bring to the table. He, he's, uh, you know, a gap penetrator, uh, someone that has a little bit more quickness than you would think for a guy his size, uh, uses hands fairly well and, and just is disruptive. So, so for me, that's why he ended up as number five. Fedarian Mathis is also IDL five for me. Uh, for everything you just said, again, I love his ability to, to penetrate the gaps. Also, his evolution from a run stuffer that had like one career sack coming into this year to getting, was it seven or was it nine? It was some crazy. Yeah, he had just a crazy year in terms of getting to the passer. Again, showing that as he grew at Alabama, his responsibility grew and he stopped just being a gap stuffer, be developed into a pretty good pass rusher. I wouldn't be surprised if he's used kind of like Jerron Reed at the next level, that guy that maybe, you know, you can rely on as a, as a, as a uh, gap penetrator and a run stopper at first, but then can develop into getting like, Six sacks. We've seen Jerron Reed have a couple of six sack seasons. I think he had an 11 sack season one year. I think Fidaria Mathis is kind of on that same trajectory, if you will. For sure. For sure. Uh, number four for me is the uh, Marvin Leal from Texas A&M. Um, I, I understand he, uh, you know, I understand he had, uh, you know, uh, I uh, didn't have as great of a season as people were expecting, but but he's someone that stood out to me even back in 2020. I remember watching uh, him against Alabama, and he he was pretty dominant in that game in 2020. And 2021, he also had a really good game against Bama. So I I know he has some inconsistencies with, uh, you know, just the plan of attack and, and just being, uh, you know, a physical presence on, on every down. But when he's playing very well, he, he's one of the most disruptive defensive linemen in this class, you know, and, and his flashes are like, you know, near top level. I mean, if he if he played like the way he did in the Ole Miss and Alabama games the entire season, I think it would be a little bit different uh, compared to or how he would be viewed a little bit differently than when he is. But I still like him. And, and I think he he's certainly a top five, uh, you know, defensive lineman and. I think he's going to go uh, on day two, probably uh, mid-day two will be my guess. Yeah, well, I'll talk more about DeMarvin Leal in a second. My number four is Travis Jones. Um, I like Travis Jones. I actually would sign off on taking him in the first round ahead of one of the players I have in front of him, which I know doesn't make a lot of sense. But I do like Travis Jones. I think he's more of your traditional nose. Um, it funny that that nose tackles nowadays are like 315 320 when we were growing up nose tackles were like 330 340 and couldn't really move your old Casey Hampton types but Travis Jones is actually a pretty good athlete had a really good senior bowl uh I think it was his Clemson game that put a lot of people onto him um just a nice solid floor guy don't really know how high his ceiling is but you know a, a solid three four zero tech or or or, or one tech in, uh, in an odd man front. I like his upside. I think he's kind of steady on my board. He's sitting at, why can't I find him? 47. So that's kind of a mid-second, uh, right in around where 
I would be comfortable taking him, but I would not be at all surprised if tomorrow night we hear his name called. Uh, and if it's not, then I think early on Friday. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later in my rankings. But for me, uh, number three is Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. Um, I, I really like the, the my top three. Like, you know, I think they're all really, really good and they're going to find you know, way to get on the NFL roster and, and be immediate contributors. But for me, it's just, you know, a few things uh, that different, di- differentiate the three. But but for me, uh, why it is, is, is rock solid, uh, you know, obviously we know what he brings to the table. Uh, one, one of the best interior defensive linemen, um, you know, very disruptive up front. Uh, obviously, over the last couple of weeks, there have been things you know, talk about, you know, off the field and, and, and whatnot. So, so he may go a little bit later than his talent warrants. You know, he's getting legit first round buzz for the last two months, but now starting to hear that cool off a little bit. But uh, I, I just think between number three and number two, who I'll talk about in a second, I think with, with Wyatt, um, you know, I, I see him being a run stuffer and, and, someone that just overall is, is a solid player. I don't know if I see quite the upside in terms of pass rush or some of the others, but but I, I think he's going to be a rock solid player. It's probably going to end up going round two. We're going to look back and wonder why did he go so late for, you know, something off the field that, that doesn't seem that significant. The number three for me is DeMarvin Leal. Uh, I have him comp to AJ Epineza, which I know is a little weird because, Epineza was an edge. I've been adamant that AM used DeMarvin Leal incredibly incorrectly by putting him out as like a stand pass rusher at times. Uh, but they do play a, a lot alike in terms of how they win. Uh, Leal just needed to play more as a, as a three tech or as a five tech, and AM refused to. Probably something to do with Jimbo Fisher as a coach, just saying. Um, but no, like athletically, sure, he's not the greatest. His film was kind of uninspiring. I just feel like he's going to be someone where if he lands in the right situation with a good defensive line coach that can get rid of some of those nasty habits he's got, you can have someone that can get you six, seven sacks from the interior every year. And to me, that's valuable. I think that that puts him in the kind of early to mid second round. My full write-up is on bluechipscouting.com. Um, I like his game. I just didn't really like his 2021 film. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, Leal, I think Leal with, with him is more so about his upside more so than, uh, you know, necessarily his, you know, or, or what he brings to the table immediately. But, I mean, there, there's still some interesting tools there. But for me, uh, interior in defensive lineman number two for me is Travis Jones from UConn. I was actually surprised by that because, because you know, going into grading, I was expecting Wyatt or Leal or somebody else to be interior off uh, defensive lineman number two. But Jones just really impressed me and blew me away. Um, I, I, I just love his disruptiveness, his his versatility, gap shooting ability, pass rush ability, everything uh, you look for in, in, in kind of a modern day interior defensive lineman. I think he's going to be great in the even front. Um, I think the Bucks are going to be heavily interested in him the back half of the first round or, or some other team will be in. I could certainly see him go in the first round. Has a, has a great floor. Um, you know, someone that's going to be productive at the NFL level. We'll see what his ceiling is, but, but I really like what he, what he brings to the, the table right now as an NFL player. So he's interior defensive line number two for me. 
Number two for me is Devontae Wyatt. Um, yes, there are there have been some detractors as of late. The, the fact that this was his breakout year, it came at 24 years old, or he's turning 24. I don't exactly remember which one it is. Uh, and obviously there is uh, there have been some off-field reports, but again, really high floor, can step in right away and be a starter. No issues with him. Everything you said, it's just I'm a little higher on him than you are. For sure. Uh, obviously, we both know who interior defensive lineman number if one is. If it wasn't, I'd have serious questions, Devin. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Um, he's – let me see where he is on my big board, actually, because he's obviously interior defensive lineman one. If you don't – if you haven't caught on yet, it's Jordan Davis from Georgia. <laughs> I, uh, he's, he's at 14 for me. Oh, wow. I'm actually a little bit lower, 24 for me. Um, oh, yeah, no. he's the only one that's the first round for me. Yeah, he, I think he's the last first-round grade I had, actually. You uh, had 24 first-round grades? Yeah. I had 20. This is the lowest I've had in my time at Blue Chip. Yep, yep. Right at uh, Ojabo was a cutoff for me. Uh, but, yeah, I was uh, very impressed with a lot of these dudes. But, yeah, um, for me, he uh, he – I just like what he brings to the table. I mean, I, I don't really have to explain why I like Jordan Davis. I mean, because dude is a, is, a, is a freak of nature. I mean, not having him as interior defensive lineman one, I get it with the pass rush upside concerns, but number one, he's young. Number two, he's massive and can move at a ridiculous clip. Number three, just put him on the field. It, I understand the conditioning aspects, but but once he gets to the NFL level, I think it, it, we'll forget about that uh, by midway through the season. Yeah, no, I have no issues with him. The, I, I, I uh, referred to him in a mock draft that is dropping, as you're listening to this, as being the size of your average Costco. Uh, but if you can teach him how to rush the passer, because he was not asked to do so, you have something special with him he's oh man yeah yeah i mean he, you just get him in the field and, and just forget about it all right let's move on to the edge rushers uh who's edge five for you Edge five for me is uh david ajabo from michigan uh ajabo man you know i i, I understand the injury concerns i understand you know, the Achilles injury is a, is a, you know, a big thing. But when when you can rush the passer like he can, uh, has a bevy of moves, absolutely dominant across from Aiden Hutchinson, you you can't you can't pass that up. And and actually, there's going to be we'll, – we'll talk about at the end once we get to one, but there's actually an edge rusher that didn't make my top five that, that a lot of people have. I think I know exactly five. who it is. Yeah, I think we, we talked about it before off the air. But anyway, uh, Ojabo, I, I like his ability to to uh, rush the passer. I think he can improve in, in his ability to uh, stop the run and, and be a more consistent run defender. But in terms of what you're getting from, you're getting a high upside pass rusher that – uh, has has plenty of moves in the arsenal and, and has pushed the pocket so many times uh, this season at Michigan. And, and you obviously want to see him recover fully from that Achilles injury. I think that's going to be uh, the, the big thing. But I think he's still worth the late first-round pick. You get the fifth-year option on him and, and allow him a whole year to recover. And then in year two or, or quote-unquote, his rookie season, he could come in 
uh, not only have NFL coaching under his belt, but but also NFL weight. And I think he can really cause some damage in 2023. I also have David Ajabo as edge five. Um, I think he's going to be the first Nigerian Scotsman ever uh, drafted in, <laughs> in the first round. I think he's going round one regardless. I think someone's going to draft Mustachem probably at the end of round one, maybe Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, Although Kansas, Kansas City, City is... needs they need someone for this year because that pass rush is atrocious. But double up. I oof, they have Mafei, Mafei and uh Ojabo. Screw it, why not? Uh but no, Ajabo, if it weren't for the fact that he has an Achilles tear and won't play this year, he's edge three for me. I loved his tape. He just straight he straight up cooked Ohio State. Uh Nicholas Pettit Frere's hype died the moment he met uh <laughs> David Ojabo, it just, it died. It ceased to exist anymore. Uh, Ojabo's stupid levels of good. And the fact that he only started playing football, Devin, at age 17. He was he only played for, since he was 17. He's 21. It's insane. It's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, number four for me is uh, George Korloftis from Purdue. Um I, I just I just love everything about his game. You know, I, he's just one of those players for me. I had a hard time saying what was, you know, some negatives about him because he was getting triple teamed uh, almost every other play uh, for, uh, I mean, this year at Purdue. I mean, I don't understand why the hype has died around him. He's he's a, a no-nonsense pass rusher. I get that. The Ben isn't quite what you want in, in kind of a, you know, flexibility aspect, but he tested well. He dominated uh, at his time at Purdue. I mean, as a freshman, he had one of the better freshman seasons we've seen from an edge rusher in the big 10 uh, in quite some time. So he's been someone that's been on the radar since as a freshman and every single season that he's been able to play, even in his limited time in 2020, he was still uh, a force to be reckoned with. So Carl Aftis for me, just makes sense in the top five. I, I just think you're getting someone that could come in immediately. And I, I see someone like the Cardinals wanting uh, a player like that, that could come in and, and immediately, uh, you know, play alongside uh, JJ Watt and, and, and really cause some damage on that defensive line. I also have George Karlaftis at edge four. Uh, you and I have been on Karlaftis since he was a freshman, man. Big 10 days. The, the, the big 10 days of this podcast watching it, um, you know, we were like, man, that, that number, that number five kid, he's going to be good. And then we watched him a little bit la- in, uh, in 2020, missed some time with COVID and other injuries. I don't buy into this idea that he's like soft or, or shy. I mean, did you see the man's, um, <laughs> did you see the man's Chipotle bolt? There's nothing shy about that. Triple well, steak. Triple steak. That is some alpha shit if I've ever seen it. Well, also, Triple. he was he was a menace, like legit menace. In but he's whenever quiet he played. off the field. So is I, Justin I, Herbert. I don't give a damn. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Just play him. Let him do his thing. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, you say uh, he's also your edge. Yeah, four. he's also edge four for me. <laughs> All right. S, S3 for me is Trayvon Walker from Georgia. Um, I he he's another one of those players like in this class that there's split opinions on. And I feel like whenever like I'm like always like down the middle, like it was the same with with Desmond Ritter, too. Um, but Trayvon Walker, for me, I 
what stands out to me is like he is an elite run defender. Like he he's going to make a living early in the NFL on his run stopping ability. And I, and I think pass rushers, I understand people look at the analytics, they look at, you know, just the tape in general of his pass weight rush win weight win rate. And, and it was one of the lowest uh among the top players in the class. But I mean his trump card is is stopping the run and and just his freakish athleticism. I understand, you know, players that don't necessarily have a pass rush plan, don't really have any moves or any development yet. They're always the toughest one to evaluate. Like Jason Owe was a perfect example last year, but he's not even the same caliber of run stopping as, as Trayvon Walker. So for me, uh, Walker is number three. I, I just like what he brings to the table, man. It, it's just, it was tough to keep him outside the top five. And, you know, when the grading was all said and done, he, 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 you know, graded pretty highly. So, so I, I had Trayvon Walker as, as number three here. Edge three for me is Jermaine Johnson. Um, I think everything you just said about Trayvon Walker, but with a much higher floor, much higher floor than Trayvon Walker. Walker's downside is if he, if he doesn't develop or land in, in, in the right system, he won't make it through his rookie contract, and that's what scares me with him. Jermaine Johnson, you already have the the floor of, of a really good edge, uh, sorry, a really good run defender who just needs to be unleashed as a pass rusher because Florida State didn't know how to use him and Georgia didn't know how to use him. It's why he went through the last chance you. Um, no, I just I I actually so I thought Trayvon Walker was going to be the guy that didn't make your your top five because Walker, spoiler alert, didn't make mine. Yeah, we're actually – I think – I guarantee our edge six is the same. Or, or no, opposite. Or flipped. flipped. Six flipped. and three are flipped. Yeah, six so. and three are flipped for us. But Who's number two, edge two for you? Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau, number one. Uh, you know, look, uh, I understand the concerns with Hutchinson, the short arms, everything about that. But for me, I think he's still a disruptive talent. And I think he still has a pretty high floor. And, and I'm I'm willing to bet on that, even though there are some outliers with, with his uh, ability um, or, or his game. I know a lot of people have been kind of on that, that train. Like, I don't know. I don't really see him as a top two, top three edge rusher. I do personally. I understand that he's not as dynamic as some of these other players on the list. He's not as uh, I understand his testing was really good, but he's not as like flexible and athletic as some of these other dudes as well, like Thibodeau and Walker. But, but I still think Hutchinson is, is a really good player that, you know, can still make a few all pros in his career. I, I think he still has, you know, top talent. And I just don't quite understand what people are seeing that makes him not that. So for me, it was number two. And then Thibodeau is number one. I, I don't really have much to say about him. I, it, anything, it, all these rumors about, you know, his effort and whatnot, don't see it. I just see a player that's really good, uh, that's going to be really good right now, uh, and, and, you know, is going to bring that pass rush upside. And I, I, I can't see either of these guys falling outside the top five. Yeah, I have it Hutchinson and Thibodeau as well. Hutchinson. The big thing that's been kind of lumped with Hutchinson as of late is just the arm length. And is he, is he a good enough athlete when everyone's going to get better at the next level? He had a great year at Michigan this year. I, I, I don't think that, that – I think some people are getting a little bit lost now that like, oh, my God, look at this Trayvon Walker kid. Look at how much we can build with him. 
Aiden Hutchinson still stupid levels of good. And then Kayvon Thibodeau, he's been edge one the entire year. And anyone who says otherwise is completely dead ass wrong. Uh, I don't care that he has interest outside of football. I think that's a good thing. Since when is actually not, since when is not being a mindless zombie a bad thing? Um, and then there are no effort level concerns on film. They don't exist. They, they don't. I, I watched every Oregon defensive game. I didn't see him just taking plays off. I didn't see that. Yeah, I, I don't know where that's coming from, man. It, it's it's a big mystery, but like I said, I, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because it's silly. You know, the, the rumors about silly. Um, but yeah, yeah, for me, and then number six is Jermaine Johnson. That's who I talked about. So I was going to loop back in, uh, you know, once we finish uh, edge rushers. Uh, it, and there's really nothing about his game that I don't like. I just like some what some of these other guys bring a little bit more, but I think Jermaine Johnson is still going to be a really good player. And I mean, I have six first round grades on edge rushers. So I think I think that tells the story there. All right, let's move on to linebackers. This should be a fun one because uh, there are a lot of different ways we can go with linebackers. This is a pretty deep class. Absolutely. I'll go ahead and start uh, by saying Troy Anderson did not make my top five linebackers. He's at number six. So just want to get that one out the way. But number five for me is Quay Walker. Uh, I know he did not make mine either. Uh, he's at eight for me. For sure. Uh, but number five for me is Quay Walker. I actually didn't watch as many linebackers as I would have liked. I only watched 11 total. Uh, but but I, some, I'll probably try to get some more. In, in my big board next year. But five is quick walker for me. Uh, really, really rock solid run defender. Um, you know, flies to the football. We're really good athlete. Um, someone that was, for whatever reason, getting first round buzz for like a week. But I, I never saw that with him. But I think he's a really good day two pick. And, and I like what he brings to the table. I think he's the second best. Uh, so I, I made a face and I don't want you to think that that face was at you. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I think he's the second best Georgia linebacker, uh, obviously behind Nicobe Dean. But but I really like his game. Uh, linebacker five for me is Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Uh, this is, I, I know this is a lazy school to school comp. I think he's a much better version of Logan Wilson, and Logan Wilson's been pretty decent at the NFL level. Um, I mean, he's got good size, like six three, two forty, good in coverage, good against the run. Uh, the only thing that we're kind of missing is just how can he do as like an occasional blitzer on a pass, you know, on passing downs. Oh, I love Chad Muma. You got me on to Chad Muma. So thank you, sir. Yeah, I, I remember I, someone asked me, do I like Muma or Wilson better? And I told him Muma back in like October. So, I mean, I, I think he's just just an overall better athlete and brings a little bit more upside than with Logan Wilson. But I mean, he was very, very good for the Bengals playoff run. Number four for me is. Leo Chanel uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, I know some people has him as line, have him as linebacker one or two. I think he's really, really good. He's a really good blitzer, someone that can uh, disrupt uh, plays at the at the line of scrimmage uh, in outside and inside of the box. Um, I think he's going to be uh, one of the, one of the better run defenders, uh, you know, as a rookie. And I think he's going to be a rock solid player. I understand he didn't get asked to drop in coverage a lot at Wisconsin and, and, you know, obviously took a lot of the, the curl to flat drops as well. I uh, think he's, he manned up against some tight ends a few times, but overall I didn't think his coverage ability was as high as some of the other guys ahead of him, 
which is why he ended up at four for me. But, but I do think he's a, a really rock solid player, and I gave him a second round grade. So I, I like him. Linebacker four for me is Christian Harris. This is everything that the NFL really wants in modern day linebackers: great movement skills, kind of that that prototypical size now at like six one, six two, two thirty ish. Safety movements because he's a converted safety. Um, you know, the one thing you need to, to 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 hone in on with Christian Harris is he is susceptible to double moves and you know. Um, play actions he he his eyes really need work he more lets it play the you know the the full uh game uh unfold in front of him instead of using a lot of anticipation get him in a good linebacker room you might be able to have someone that's kind of a borderline uh pro bowl level player yeah for sure uh harris was someone i didn't didn't actually get to evaluate uh maybe i'll get to him uh right after you know the draft or or, or whatnot but but i've, I've seen him in passing i watched him and, and thought he was a uh solid player so he probably would fit somewhere uh on day two for me as a day two grade but number three for me uh it is chad muma from wyoming um you just talked about everything that i liked about him and and i mean he pretty much hit the net uh nail on the head but but I think for him, I, I like the coverage upside he brings. I think, you know, he can can be a really good coverage linebacker, uh, cover two, cover three, uh, you know, taking away some of the crossing routes. Um, and, and he just moves so well sideline to sideline. It, it's very impressive. Once his eyes get a little bit better and more disciplined, uh, but, but overall, I think he's going to be a really good middle linebacker at the NFL level. Linebacker three for me. Devin, get ready for some propaganda. This has been a brand guy supreme since July. I think you already know who it is. Terrell Bernard from Baylor. I don't care. I don't care that I'm the only one that's got him in the top five. I think probably on the planet. I know what I saw. We're talking about a guy with good movement skills. 6'1", 235. Um, you know, sideline to sideline, I nicknamed them Verizon wireless because he has more range than your cell phone provider. And then when he's not covering sideline to sideline or stopping the run and being the best run defender on Baylor's defense, he also just happened to have eight and a half sacks this year. He's your do it all linebacker. Literally do it all. This is, this is what people thought Patrick Queen was going to be i think he's be- going to be better than patrick queen this could be roquan smith i fucking said it there you go but but no I, I i get it i bernard was actually on my list i just ran out of time to watch him uh because i was able to get the few of the other baylor guys second but... round grade baby yeah you've been on him since since the summer so uh yes, but yeah sir. yeah i get that for sure uh number two for me is nicobe dean um, I just find very few flaws in this game. Uh, just a very cerebral player, uh, someone that flies downhill uh, with authority, has, has played plenty of special teams. Um, it does a little bit of everything for that Georgia defense. There are so many plays on film, hidden plays where he's making plays and, and stopping the offense and, and saving touchdowns. I remember the screen against Kentucky, uh, near the goal line and they they had like four or five lead blockers on the screen and he somehow undercut all of them and made the tackle and saved the touchdown so he's 
He's just a player that's going to be in the right place at the right time. I don't care about his arm length or height or when he runs in a 40. He's a he's a good football player. Because for me, I don't think linebackers should be a, a big sticking point for like a 40-yard dash. Because if if dudes are anticipating where the offense are going to be and, and beating them to the spot, I, I could care less what your 40 is. So for me, N'Kobe Dean was, was linebacker too. And and I think he's going to be a, a really good player and should be off the top of off the board by the top of the second round. Yeah, uh, Nicobe Dean's also linebacker too for me. We're talking about the smartest player in the class, both on the field and off the field. This dude made sure that that championship defense, which was one of the best we've seen in college football history, then history, made sure that all of those guys, where there are eleven future. NFL players just on that defense just this year. Who knows how many guys, you know, in the backups that are going to be future, you know, uh, future NFLers. He made sure they were all aligned. This is a, a guy that I remember during the Clemson game, commentators are like, oh yeah, like Nicobe Dean doesn't really study all that much film because he doesn't need to because this is light work for him because he's a mechanical engineering uh, student. The dude's a bloody genius. He's yeah. like he's a football and regular like and real world savant, um, yeah. Yeah. and he's also really damn good. I have him like as one of my first second round grades. He is twenty second overall. Yeah, he's thirty one for me, but but I he has a high second round grade for me. So I I, I see I see it all with him. But uh, but number one for me, top fifteen player on the board. Best linebacker in this class, in my opinion, is Devin Lloyd from Utah. I, yep. I haven't seen any film that blew me away. Really, I think defensive film in general that blew me away like his did. Like he was just like every play that had to be made, he did. He made it. I mean, plays in coverage, plays blitzing, plays pass rushing, uh, plays stopping the run, sideline to sideline. I mean, he does it all or he did it all for Utah's defense. I understand his age is a concern. He's like 23 Whatever. I, I think you you play him as a off-ball linebacker, let him thrive. See, I could see him in an Anthony Barr type of role. Um, I, I don't know if that's my comp for him, but I see that type of play style with him. And I think he can be a, a really uh, high ceiling player that can make several pro, pro bowls and, and all pro lists. Yeah. Linebacker one for me, Devin Lloyd. Uh, he's been that there since like October. Uh, best in coverage. Best against the run, I think. Hit you so hard, he'll change your eye color. What else do you want? Like this is this is the perfect linebacker for the modern age. Absolutely. You like that one, eh? It was good. It was good. All right, let's move on to corners. I think our top fives are going to be eerily similar. So who's who's corner five for you? Five is Trent McDuffie from Washington. Um, I I like dudes with short arms, apparently. But uh, no, uh, his his cover his cover skills are great, um, and and I, I there's nothing there were, there are very few flaws I saw in this game. One of the best zone cover corners uh, that there's probably in this class, and and someone that can also handle handle man responsibilities. I think Buffalo will be in play with him, play for him. Uh, you know, at 25, say if Andrew Boot Jr. is somehow off the board. And, and I think he would be a great fit for that defense. Corner five for me is Kyrie Elam, uh, family bloodlines, 
It's got uh, his, his uncle. I, I, th- I want to say his uncle or his cousin was Matt Elam. I think it was his uncle. It was his uncle. His dad played in the NFL, uh, has good size profile. I think he's like 6'1", a little around 200 pounds, going to meet a lot of those size thresholds to, to play on the outside. You know, I just wish that Florida coached the defensive backs better. Otherwise, we'd be talking about him much high, much more highly than we are. I feel bad that I have him as like a second-round player. But I think that he's really good. I, I, I want him to go in round one on, on Thursday. Absolutely. He, and he's not my number four corner. Um, there, I mean, he was like just – absolutely dominant against Alabama and Jamison Williams. Like he, he made him look average. And, and I've told a few people, like told a few people that as well, like he, he made him look silly just with his physicality and just pushing Williams out of bounds and, and just pushing him off the spot. Him and uh, Martin Emerson were the two players on film that I saw gave him the most trouble. So Kyrie Ilum for me, I think he feels like a New England Patriots Patriots. Sadly, I, I it just feels like he's gonna be a, a God, selection, doesn't it? Yeah, he just feels like he he has to. He's destined to go there. It also, uh, you know, just someone that can can be a shutdown corner. Uh, I just wish he was healthy the entire season because maybe he'd be in the top three discussion. Who uh, who's corner four for you? That was corner four for me. Oh, Kyrie Lim is corner four. Yeah. Okay. Uh, corner four for me is Trent McDuffie. Uh, I really like his film. And like you said, short arm dudes. We're talking about a dude, uh, third percentile in arm length, uh, <laughs> which is suboptimal. It does get worse, though. Roger McCreary is in the zero with percentile. Uh, no one at the corner position has ever had arms as short as Roger McCreary, who is cornerback six for me. Uh, but I do think Trent McDuffie can be an elite slot corner at the next level i actually in my mock that drops today the what i would do i have him going to the chargers because the board didn't fall well for them and i just figured a corner trio of jc jackson trent mcduffie and asante samuel is uh really damn good and the chargers are in that point where they can just collect good players yeah i mean they they certainly can i mean i would not be mad at it at all so him and him and that secondary good lord uh db3 for me is andrew boo jr um for me i like him i like what he brings to the table i think he's he's a really good player i think there is a bit of a drop after one and two for me in my opinion to three i like booth i think he's a really good player i think his man cover skills are still a little bit untapped and zone coverage is, is his best area right now uh, but, but I worry about his eye discipline and he just feels like when you were watching him play, like he's always like wanting to make a play. Like sometimes he gets himself out of position. So I understand his ball hawk nature. He makes some incredible plays. I do think he needs to just be a, a more consistent uh, defensive back and pick his spots to, to, to take chances because I saw him take way too many chances. But luckily, he, I mean, he played in that Clemson defense where they can that back end can cover up a lot of their deficiencies, but uh, I, I think he's going to have to be a more disciplined player at the NFL level. But, but I like I like his skill set, and he certainly has the tools to be one of the better defensive backs in a few years in the NFL. 
Yeah, Andrew Booth Jr. is cornerback three for me. Uh, I have no idea why the NFL seems to hate Andrew Booth. Seriously, I don't know why he's not getting, like, the same coverage that people are giving Trent McDuffie, and that's no slight on McDuffie. I just – Booth was, like, player three for me for most of the year. And then, like, when I finally did his final eval, like, sure, I, I, I cooled on him a little bit. You know, because I watched, you know, the two that are ahead of him again. But he's still clearly a first rounder. He is it the lack of snaps? I don't I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Size, yeah, ball skills, know. production, tackling ability has it all. What am I missing here? The NFL is notoriously low on good players. So we we know that for a fact. Uh, top two for me uh, are two top five players on my board, actually. But number two for me is Sauce Gardner. Uh, me and you have both been on this guy uh, since 2020 um, and, and after his freshman season where he, he was absolutely dominant. ECU game was the game that I found out who my Gardner was uh, when he had that pick six to end the game. So we're talking freshman year, Sauce Gardner? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. sir. Yep. Uh, and it's cool uh, to see him be who he was. I mean, we both said he's going to be a future first rounder, and here we are. He's going to be a top five pick uh, in a couple of days. So uh, it's pretty cool to see that. Oh, just you wait. Just you wait. <laughs> you pulling out the receipts? I'm pulling out receipts, man. I'm pulling out receipts. All right. Any yeah. more? Anything more you want to say on Sauce Gardner? I don't think. I, I love the guy. Top five player on my board. Think he's going to be a stud at the NFL level. I actually like him more than JC Horn coming out. And, and JC Horn was really good. So uh, I feel like those two are like comparable to their style and, and why they both were pushed to CB1 in their respective classes. But uh, I like Ahmad Garner. And, and really, it was only like a, a 0.5 between him, him and my number one corner. Cornerback two for me is Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. Uh, on tape, He's been the best quarter in the country since uh, he was 18 years old. You know what the problem with that is, Devin? I haven't really seen much of him on film since he was 18 years old. Missed extensive time in 2020. Missed extensive time in 2021. Had the Liz Frank injury. Sure, he had really good numbers at his pro day and showed freak athleticism. But we are in a league where your best ability is your availability. I like Derek Stingley. I like him a lot in a press man corner system. I think he would be great for Seattle at pick number nine. I don't trust Seattle to make that pick, but I think that that would be a great, great, um, great environment, great system for him. I have him comp to a hybrid of D'Angelo Hall and Stefan Gilmore. He's just not my number one corner. That No, it's, I, I get that. I mean, he is for me, but like I said, they're, they're very, very close on my big board. And, and clearly they're, I mean, they're right behind me each other. So I, I really like both of their games, but for me, Derek Stingley's number one. And, you know, I, I know he hasn't matched that 2019 film of this freshman season, but, but when he did play this year in the games that I watched this year, he was still Derek Stingley, you know, and, and I know the, the tackling is still going to be a big issue for oh, me. I, I want to see it. Like I'm not, I'm not Deion Sanders level. Yeah, yeah. If I don't care if you, tackle, oh, yeah, yeah. If you tackle like Deion Sanders was the worst in terms of like going up to players at the combine and telling them you had four tackles this year. That's nine too many. I'm tired of that. 
by the way, I'm, I'm amazed Jackson, uh, Jackson State had any tackles from their defensive backs because Dion just wants them to sit there and wave and look pretty. Um, but like, I, I, I don't really care if they, if they're like, you know, some tackling machine, but the effort level and sure Stingley had some moments where you could see him kind of noping and, and pulling the old matador, but it wasn't like a regular. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like egregious where you just like, yeah, I'm gonna move out the way you can go ahead and go. But uh, with him, the I, old the, matador. <laughs> go right by me. Uh, but no, uh, don't mind I, me. I'm just a spectator. Yeah, but for me, the 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 mirroring ability in, in man coverage, the the hip fluidity, able to get in and out breaks so quickly. I mean, when he's when he's on and when he's healthy, he, he's a unstoppable force. So the thing with with betting on health is that you just never know because it can happen at any time. But but I when he's on the field and he's healthy, I think he's I mean, he's, he's a top five player in this class and uh, just absolutely dominant and can take away the field, uh, one side of the field. So I'm still willing to bet on that. Uh, I think he still makes it somehow in the top 10. I don't know where he goes because um, that's going to be interesting. Honestly, I you know, I this is just me. If the if the Jets pass on Sauce at four, I, I think they should take a look at it. As Stingley at 10. Cornerback one for me. You mentioned his name. I'm amazed that I'm higher on him than you are, but it is a mod sauce gardener. Devin, I comped him to Richard Sherman. I think he can be that good at the NFL level. Uh, outside corner in his own coverage scheme. Didn't allow a single touchdown during his time at, at, at Cincinnati. Locked down an entire side of the field. Was so good that teams then had to test Kobe Bryant, and Kobe Bryant ended up winning the Thorpe Award this year. Do you know how hard that is to make your number two win the best defensive back in the nation because you are that damn good? That's unreal. Teams were absolutely fucking, sorry, petrified of throwing it to Sauce Gardner. So they just threw it to Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant went, nope, that ball's mine, over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, no way. It's crazy, man. I mean, it was hard to to not rank him as number one. I am shocked that 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 didn't happen, to be honest. I'll let you in on a secret. You know what's funny? When Remember when everyone was – Right after the draft last year, remember when everyone was like, "Yeah, Derek Stingley is a going to be a top five pick. He should, he might be the best player in college football." I thought about writing a article about why Mod Garner should be considered as DB one heading into next year, but I never did it. I am disappointed. I know. I, I'm disappointed. Let's move on to safeties and then get on out of here. Who's safety one for you? I'm oh, sorry, safety five. Safety five. Why am I? He's already ready to skip the, the entire safety rankings. I mean, someone get goodness. me some coffee, please. Number five for me is Kirby Joseph from Illinois. Um, for me, I, I just like everything uh, about his game as a single high safety. Uh, I think his tackling needs to be better and more consistent, take better angles uh, from depth. But, but in terms of uh, coverage ability, uh, I, I do want to see him kind of speed up things a little bit quicker in terms of his processing, but uh, for me, I think, you know, the, the range of ball skills, plus what he did down at the senior bowl, uh, really encouraged me that he can not only be a single high type of guy, like a Jesse Bates type of player, uh, but I also think he can be 
uh, someone that that can match up on tight ends and, and be a, a physical presence in that in that uh, respect. So from number five for me is Kirby Joseph. Number five for me, Devin, we're talking about another brand guy supreme for me for the entire season. Jalen Petrie from Baylor. I think he's going to be a good strong safety, box safety on running downs, put him in the slot. He can kind of do it all. I don't know if he can be a, a free safety, like a single high type guy, though. That's my one hang up on him. Uh, too long, didn't read version. This is what Jacoby Stevens was for LSU. He's a much better version of that funny story i remember tweeting that out and then jacoby stevens liked that tweet then realized it was actually a backhanded compliment and wasn't about him and then very quickly not only unliked that tweet but then blocked me on twitter there we have it <laughs> jalen petrie so good he makes jacoby stevens block me yeah he's so good he's number four on my safety rankings <laughs> but uh yeah petrie's number four for me man um I, I just love his ability to to be all over the all over the field. I think he's going to be a, a free roaming safety, someone you can uh, kind of disguise your coverages, disguise your blitzes, and and be a, a zone dropper as well uh, from inside the box and, and from from the deep uh, third. So I, I think he's going to be a really good player at the NFL level, and uh, I would expect to see his name early in the second round, but. This is a guy I mean you both like uh, even before the summer. So, so very interested to see uh, where he ends up. Sorry, I read something really funny. Uh, <laughs> safety four for me is Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. I think he's um, like in, in most drafts, he would probably be the top safety in this class uh, due to just the dearth of talent. He's a little bit lower. Uh, early second round player, significant growth in 2021 with his ability to read the field in 2020. He was a bit like a dog chasing cars, you know, was easily manipulated by a quarterback's eyes, but uh, was actually able to read the whole field better, better make plays on the football better this year. Um, you know, if you look for a single high ball hawking safety, this could be Jaquan Brisker at the next level. Sure, I, I'm actually a little bit lower on Brisker. He didn't make my top five, uh, but but I do like I do like him as a player. And, I think our top three are going to be the same, though. Oh, absolutely, because number three for me is Daxton Hill from Michigan. Um, honestly, he can play safety. He could play probably corner, probably play nickel, just wherever you want to put him. I I would love Kansas City to select him and just figure out later where you're going to play him because they just need secondary dudes in there. But but Daxon Hill has been been a player since really since early in the season that that caught my eye. I think against Nebraska, he had one of his best games where he just uh, made a, a fantastic interception. Uh, you know, had a, a pass breakup down the field. Uh, I think he forced a fumble. I mean, he was he was just a terror. Uh, but but similar to Petrie, Daxon Hill played all over the field. Uh, was used in a variety of ways, and and I think. You're going to have to do the same with him uh, at the NFL level. Let him play uh, kind of that matchup player on, on tight ends on third downs. <clears throat> be be that uh, guy that can cover the deep halves and, and just uh, come up and, and run, come in, come up against the run and, and make stops. So Daxton Hill is number three for me. Daxton Hill is number three for me as well. Um, <laughs> I think again. Like you said, safety plays at nickel. I think he's the best nickel defender in the in the class. I think Without that a doubt. like even though I have Trent McDuffie higher, I think that Daxton Hill is going to be 
absolutely a team's best nickel defender. I have him comp to Devin McCourty. Nice. I, I like that comp, actually. Uh, number two, top 11 player on the Whoa. board. Louis well, C. Then. from Georgia. Oh, okay. How did you get to top 11? He's he's number 11. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I, I like, really him like him a lot. Yeah. I, I yeah. can tell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lewisine is is number eleven on my board. Number two in the safety rankings. I I think there is no better single high player in this class, and, and that's including Kyle Hamilton. I think he his coverage in the back end is is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Tennessee game for me along with the Alabama championship game were, were two of the best games I saw from a safety prospect in this class. He was, he did it all. I mean, he ran the alley and, and absolutely blasted Brian Robinson in the championship game. And he made, he, he, you know, similar to the play we've seen from Kyle Hamilton. Uh, he also did a play from like the opposite hash to the, the far sideline uh, and, and was able to, to break up a pass. So, for me, Lewisine is is just the total package. I think he's gonna go in the first round uh, in in this year's class. He, he's really started getting buzzed over the last uh, you know two or three weeks. But but Lewisine is is tremendous, and and I really like uh, his ability to to be a playmaker on the back end. Lewisine is also my safety too. Uh, he just missed out on a first round grade for me. I think he's he's phenomenal. Every time I watched, had to watch someone go up against the Georgia defense, I just came away more and more and more impressed. And that's how he ends up climbing the board the way he did. I think going into like the championship weekend, he was like early third. And then, you know, you have to watch Channing Tindall. And then you go, oh, who's 16? 16's really good. He's always making plays. Then you go ahead and you watch it again for for Quay Walker and, and Trayvon Walker, and you, you do the final report on, on Darian Kendrick, and and you very quickly realize that Lewis Seen is probably the best player in that secondary. It's crazy. I mean, uh, right? It's 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 downright nutty. And I was just like, man, th- this kid is so freaking good. Uh, who did he? He ended up getting comped to Javon Holland. I loved Javon Holland last year, so I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, Javon Holland was one of the the, the bigger surprises because people were wondering if he was going to be good or not. You know, since he missed, I think they he missed last year, 2020. Uh, didn't he opt out uh, of the season, I Javon so. Holland? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so he ended up being really good. But the scene, man, I blown away and, and every, the funny thing is i keep seeing him pop up on the timeline and people are like watching this game since 2020 and i don't know how i didn't see this guy earlier i mean he was an absolute uh monster uh especially against like florida in 2020 as well so maybe i'll go back and look at it in in, in where wherever he lands hopefully the Saints select him i, I would love that but anyway safety one is kyle hamilton pretty obvious uh you know top five player on the board no brainer. Now, okay, is he player one for you? Uh, he's not actually. Who was? Uh, Thibodeau. Okay. Thibodeau, Neil, and then Hamilton. Okay, I can dig it. Do you want to expand on why Kyle Hamilton was your number one safety? Uh, I, I don't think I have to, but but sure. Um, I, I I just think the combination of of range, ball skills, uh, ability to to line up all over the field. 
work inside and outside of the box. Uh, just a really smart football player who, who can anticipate uh, plays coming before they do. Uh, I want to see him. I, I want to see more structure around the way he's used at the NFL level. I just felt like Notre Dame was like, "Yeah, go out there and make a play." Um, you, you're just basically a one-high guy in in man coverage. You just go make a play. But I want to see him matched up against tight ends more. I want to see him used more as a a package player as well, and not just you know uh, or keep him more towards the the box especially on running downs. I don't want him 20, 30 yards down the field backpedaling. I want to see him in the action because I think he he's smart enough and, and good enough to do that. Yeah. Um, Kyle Hamilton's not only safety one, he's player one. Uh, I comped him to Derwin James. He's w- like one of the best safeties I've ever evaluated. I know he's not going to go number one because the NFL doesn't believe that safeties are as valuable as they once were. And that's fine. But I mean, just goodness gracious, man, stupid levels of good. For sure. So uh, any final words before we get on out of here? Uh, you can find both of our uh, big boards on bluetoothsky.com. Uh, you can check compare it out. the big boards on the, like you can compare the big boards head to head. And you know what? I might put up a, a, a poll about this. Whose big board is better? <laughs> but Devin, no. Devin's Mr. Popularity, so I've already lost that, and I haven't even sent out the tweet yet. Oh, boy. Nah. But uh, look, I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's a fun exercise to, to go through and, and release it. And, you know, and I, I said the beginning show is the, you know, the end of 2022 for me, but but obviously we still have some more things on the horizon before uh, draft day. So, so not going to spoil that too much, but uh, in terms of watching prospects, I've been done for a couple of weeks and uh, I did write down a few names. I want to go back and visit uh, after the draft, especially if they get drafted, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens and and looking forward to uh, the draft and, when you're listening to this tomorrow. So, so very excited for that. And finally get to watch the draft live and participate in the activities. It's been two years since uh, the pandemic when Mike freaked out about uh, Jalen Rieger going the first round. So I know we're going to be, well, uh, Oh, you know what I just realized? We're not going to be live at the same time. Devin is doing blue chip scoutings day one coverage. Uh, I am actually going to be unavailable for the first like hour of the draft. Uh, I will definitely be tuned in to Blue Chip Scouting's YouTube channel to watch Dante Colinelli, Tyler Browning, Devin Jackson, Nick Price, and Andrew Harbaugh uh, covering the draft. And then on day two, Devin and I swap out because Devin has work and I'm available that day. So unfortunately, you won't get to see the two of us together in all of our glory, but uh, we'll, maybe we'll do something for, uh, for, for Saturday during the day where it's just Devin and I shooting the shit live i don't know maybe Might as well i mean day three is my favorite day there's not a there's not a day in nf in it really in this draft process that's more exciting than day three because that means every single guy that i've been hyping up since september august are getting selected and, and when everyone's like who the hell this guy is i'm like i know that guy I know that guy. So I'm, I'm very excited for day three because it's probably the most day three players I've watched uh, in, in any draft class. So it's very excited to talk about these dudes. I, I got a question for you, Devin. What's up? Over, under, pick 
85 for the first player that not only just didn't make your big board, because I know that you didn't watch as many players, but over under pick 85 for the first player that makes us go, who? Under. You think it's going to be sooner? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, okay, so I watched 224 players. There were 35 on my list that I didn't end up getting to, so I would have been around 250, 260. I am convinced that by one of the first 10 picks on day three, guaranteed, we will have the first player where no one on the, pa- on the panel would know who they are. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because there's a way the – thing, the thing with day three, I think, what makes it funny is that some dude from LSU, Auburn, Alabama, someone at SEC, some fifth round or fifth depth chart defensive lineman is going to get selected in the fifth round. You're like, I didn't even watch this dude. Like, this dude had three good. tackles. He wasn't even good. This, yeah, there, there's a – I can't remember what school it is. I think it's Oklahoma State where they have a defensive tackle in this class who left school early and he has 11 career tackles. Oh uh, that's the perfect thing to wrap today's episode up on. You can find Devin on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. I switched it up because it's draft week. Why not? You can follow the show on Twitter at big shots pod. Follow our work at blue chip scouting. I have two more articles to do this week before the draft can even come. Um, and then one after the draft too. Oh man. I can't wait to escape the 2022 draft. Follow Blue Chip Scouting on Twitter at Blue Chip Scout, and we will see you guys tomorrow.